This podcast is presented by SoCalRUN, the Southern California Regional Energy Network. We're a collection of local governments that come together to promote energy efficiency programs for residents, businesses, and public agencies. Welcome to Re-Energizing Communities, your connection to conversations about energy efficiency that can help you influence change at home, at work, and in your community. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, our host, Julie Castro, welcomes guests from Strategic Concepts in Organizing and Policy Education, or SCOPE. Executive Director Gloria Medina and member Peggy Scott discuss what SCOPE is doing to bring utility debt relief and energy justice to Southern California communities. Let's get started. For over 10 years, SCOPE has been leading the community in energy justice. Can you tell us about SCOPE's history, mission, and the work it has done for the community? SCOPE is an organization that is almost 30 years old. We have been building grassroots power around racial and economic justice. Our mission is to provide a platform for community members who are most impacted by the problems and conditions that we face in South Los Angeles, to provide them an opportunity to lift up their voices, to integrate their experience and their expertise in creating solutions for the issues that are priority for them. We have been doing that alongside a black and brown base of community members and community leaders that the hub of the work that we do is the community organizing and the community outreach. And our goal is to make sure that the work that we're doing, our priorities resonate with community members, that it speaks to their immediate needs, and that they will be motivated to also become active in fighting for, for community benefits. At the center of the work that we do is political consciousness, political education, and leadership skills building for our grassroots members. We want to make sure that they have the support and the skills and the information needed to co-govern their city, to be at the decision-making table, because we know that the folks that are at the forefront of the threats that we're facing at this moment are the folks who have the best solutions for addressing those problems. You mentioned creating a platform and providing an opportunity to find solutions. And the one I wanted to talk about today is energy justice. So what does energy justice mean to SCOPE and how does SCOPE help communities achieve it? SCOPE is a racial justice and an economic justice organization. And during our history, we have been always investigating and seeking opportunities in different sectors or in different issue areas that also provide an opening for good paying jobs for South Los Angeles community members. For us, what that means is that there are jobs that pay good wages, that have benefits, that are sustainable and secure so that folks could raise families in South LA and live and work in their own city. Over the years, we have been looking at different sectors, the different issue areas that have brought these opportunities. Most recently, we've been looking at climate threats and energy justice. We believe that this is very timely. We are in a crisis 
due to the changing climate that we're facing not only here in South LA, but across the world. We want to make sure that our community members are at the forefront of any potential solutions and also that they're not left behind as we confront this crisis. So that's how we have stepped into this conversation of energy justice. One of the things that we quickly learned as we were thinking of what are some solutions for for climate threats is that as we're thinking about the future and we're thinking about a just transition, we're going to need a new economy and a new way of production and a new way of energy If we're going to continue being resilient, energy is at the core of this conversation. When we talk about energy justice, it's not only energy justice now in our current situation, but also in the future and what the future holds for us in terms of how we will transition into clean energy. I will give you an example, which is some of the work that we're doing around utility debt relief. A lot of the focus on this work started at the beginning of the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, we know that our community members were hit in so many different ways, and they were really carrying some really serious hardship. And we started reaching out to community members, asking them, what is it that was priority for them? Where did they need most help? What was it that was keeping them up at night and worrying them? And obviously, rent and housing security was at the top. Following that, following the issue around housing was utility. And as we started having conversations with members and they started sharing their concerns about not being able to afford energy and that, you know, that worried them, particularly as folks had been hit economically during the pandemic. Some of the stories we heard were about folks who were already carrying significant debt to be able to afford water and power, to be able to stay in their homes and address some medical needs of family members and not live with the fear that their power or their water would be shut off. I just want to elevate that this issue around energy justice is not a new issue, but it's something that folks have been grappling with for a while. It was highlighted during the pandemic. And so now we have been able to have deeper conversations with our members about what does it mean to be community members fighting for a just transition and fighting for clean energy when we cannot afford our energy now? And what is it going to mean for folks when there is a transition? That's what energy justice means for us, for folks to have the ability to stay in South LA, to stay in their community, to continue to be housed, not only by having a roof over their heads, but also having the utility needed to be able to stay in their homes. The other thing I think that's important is that as we're facing extreme weather, it has an impact on our community. We live in a geographical area where there's not a lot of green space, where we're surrounded by a lot of concrete and pavement. You know, that has always been an issue, a health issue, a clean air issue, but it also has an impact on the ability to keep folks cool when there's extreme heat. A lot of the folks that we've talked about um, do not rely on a air conditioner or um, other way to keep themselves cool. 
So it has some real implications to people's health. It, it, it really is a dangerous situation. And we've also heard from folks who do have an air conditioner in their home, but do not have the ability to run it because they're really afraid of not being able to uh, afford it. So we're talking about accessibility and the right for folks to be able to survive extreme heat and keep themselves healthy and safe. We also have a high population of seniors in South Los Angeles who rely on their energy to power their health care devices or medical devices. So that's also an issue that has come up for many members who are concerned about how much longer they will be able to power their, their own homes. So the fear of what does transitioning to clean energy look like? Our members understand the climate impacts, understand that we're in a crisis. They are in support of solutions, but they want to make sure that the solutions that are moving us towards clean energy are solutions that are grounded in equity and that do not have unintended consequences that might make the situation for many community members in South LA worse than they're, what they're facing at this time. If you were to lay out some recommendations for what that would look like, would it include making sure that utility rates for even clean energy doesn't increase the cost for low-income communities or maybe additional programs for low-income customers? I would say all of that. Since we've been having this conversation with our community folks and understand that this is a, a priority issue for them, we have been working close with our community members and with our local utility company to really think about potential solutions. We are very happy to say that we have been able to leverage some funding to provide early in the pandemic some relief coming from the, the utility company directly to low-income community members. That was a, a first step in the right direction. Our community members have also been advocating at the statewide level, and we're very happy that the governor was able to leverage $2 billion for utility uh, debt relief across the state. And we are looking forward to seeing some of those funds come directly into South Central Los Angeles and into the hands of the folks who need it the most, who are carrying, in some cases, $15,000, $16,000 worth of utility debt since they have not been able to pay during the pandemic. And it's a very dire situation. We're happy that we have been able to make that happen with the support of our community members. But all of that is still a one-time relief and it still doesn't really address the long-term issue of transitioning into clean energy. So we would love to see a restructuring of the ratepayer system, rethinking what does it really mean to provide utility to community members in some of the lowest income communities and to make make sure that we could leverage whatever funding necessary to make sure that it's equitable across the board that the folks in the most affluent neighborhoods who can afford their utility could help maybe offset or uh, other programs, other funding that might help offset and make sure that folks don't have to worry about being able to turn on their medical device or keep their refrigerator going or being able to cool off their homes while they're experiencing extreme heat. 
the other thing that is necessary is a collective collaborative process of identifying and implementing solutions for clean energy. We know that there's a lot of folks in our city who are trying to address the need, who have good intentions, who are um, highly motivated to figure out um, how we could transition into clean energy. But we need to be careful that we're not just generating solutions based on good intentions, but that they are grounded in equitable an, an equitable lens. That means that community members who are at the forefront of the situation should be at the table, figuring out how community members can contribute to solution-making processes, how they can actively and genuinely share their own stories that will help guide the city towards uh, a solution that does not leave anyone behind. Building off of that, what challenges has Scope run into while helping communities? One of the main challenges has been technology, which I think is also part of this conversation of equity. The first round of uh, financial support that was provided by our utility company came during the, the, the height of the pandemic. And so people were social distancing and a lot of the utility company centers were closed. Scope also had shut down for safety reasons. In the midst of that, we were asking people to sign up for this program. And it required having a online account, some sort of computer device, internet. It required uploading documents that were needed to show proof of eligibility. This left a lot of folks behind. There were many families that had the need and who could have highly benefited. Uh, from the process and from the funding, but were not able to do it because there was just not enough time to uh, get them help with the technology required to go through the process. So that that is one of the challenges that we have faced. And as we're looking at new pockets of, of funding for relief, we want to make sure that it is something that is just much more straightforward that the process is easier and equitable and accessible by the folks who need it the most. Peggy Scott, who is a member here at SCOPE, has also been an active voice in of elevating right the need for energy justice and really elevating her story, the experiences of her neighbors and family members who are really impacted by the lack of equitable energy access. I am a senior citizen and I have three medical people that lives in the house with me and my experience has been very difficult with the financial part of it, of, of, of the utility, really getting the use of the funding that they say that they have out there. A lot of people do not know about the funding and how to get in with the funding. Without me being here at Scope, I would be lost. Here, I know about a lot of the funding that have helped me with the utility. My utility bill be very high because of my medical problems that I'm having in my home. I am a stage four cancer patient. So I use different medical device 
And I have an asthmatic child that used medical device with the utilities being so high to find a place to help me to alleviate the stress. It has been difficult with scope and the different things that have came into scope. It's still not enough for everyone. Without the help of scope, a lot of us would be lost, not able to, to know where we can go. And then when you find out that percentage that the utility offer you, that is not enough to handle it. You still will have to do different things so your bill won't be high. I have gone through a lot of different ways of doing things so I wouldn't have a high utility bill. So I can maintain where I am living. It's between the utility and your mortgage. It shouldn't be that way. But it is, not just for me, for my community also. We need a lot of help in our community. What would be the most helpful moving forward? Would it be additional funding resources to help cover a larger percentage of the utility bill or and to also cover more low-income customers' utility bills? Both, really. We have a lot of communities that are taking care of relatives, their children, that are using a lot of electricity. And it, it, it has become a really a, a worry with them. And that shouldn't be. If you're going to have all that worry, you can't take care of your family. If they do give a bigger percentage of their bill, that 20%, talking from experience, it still be high. Gloria, do you have any insights on what types of programs are currently available? We have been lucky that we have been able to work with our local utility for a number of years now as we have been addressing the need of, of the community when it when it comes to utility and particularly around energy justice. We have learned over the years that, you know, that, that there are some good programs out there. There are weatherization programs for low-income communities to be able to keep the cool air and the warmth in homes. There are low-income programs to help provide a decrease or a savings uh, in the utility bill. Programs like these and, and many others from being able to get an energy efficient uh, appliance, energy efficient air conditioner. There are discounts for folks with medical needs. That's great. And a lot of our community members have been able to leverage uh, some of these programs, uh, but it's not enough. There's still so much more to do. And, and I think it really speaks about the lack of equity. The situation is really a dire situation for community members who cannot afford to keep up with the, the regular utility payments. What is needed is to really have a holistic approach that really thinks about in the intersectionality between energy and water affordability and ability for folks to really access those resources. Water should be a basic human right. The ability for people to be maintain their, their homes warm 
to be able to have the energy to, to cook and provide the medical needs for their family members, that's very basic. Community members are not asking for anything that is extravagant. They are asking just for the ability to be able to afford the base, their basic needs for themselves and their family members. And as these programs are available, we have worked with our local utility company to do outreach. Uh, some of our organizers and our community members, our scope members have also gone out into the community. We've done door knocking to inform people who might not know that these programs are available and that they qualify and help them with the process of applying for these discounted programs or energy efficiency weatherization programs. Thinking about a more holistic approach is as we're thinking about what uh, clean energy might look like in the future, we're talking about electrifying buildings. If we are serious about decarbonization, we also need to make sure that we're thinking about this with a lens of justice and equity. And so if we move to electrification too quickly, we are not really addressing the fact that folks cannot afford their current energy, how would they afford their energy if we go 100% electric? It also includes other issues like new appliances. How do folks acquire appliances that could use the new source of energy? These are all questions that haven't necessarily been answered. It's important for community members for groups like SCOPE who advocate on behalf of community members to be invited to the table as these decisions are being made at a uh, municipal level and as at a state level also, so that there will not be unintended consequences that will even more deeply threaten the livelihood of community members. In terms of having this more holistic approach of intersections between energy and housing and the ability to stay in South LA is also workforce. As we're thinking about transitioning to clean energy, thinking about what are some potential workforce development programs that can be developed for economic stability for folks in South LA, thinking about targeted local hire programs to make sure that those most impacted are the folks that are also having an opportunity for training and a new industry of jobs. We have been working with our local utility company and other partners in creating models for workforce development that are really inclusive of community members and meet community members where they're at and provide them a pathway for good paying sustainable jobs. We worked with our local utility company some years ago in developing the utility pre-craft training program known as the UPCT. And this has been an opportunity for folks in Los Angeles from low income communities, people of color, women, to uh, enter uh, full-time positions with benefits at our local utility company and also with other departments within the city of LA. They have led to high paying public sector jobs that have included training and included the supportive services needed for folks to be successful in training for this transition into new clean energy. 
that's what's needed, a holistic intersectional approach. Funding to alleviate the current burden is amazing. We celebrated. We're happy that folks will get some relief soon, but that that's just the tip of the iceberg. We really need to think about housing and workforce opportunities and making sure that folks are not displaced and folks can continue living and working and raising families here in South Los Angeles. Can you articulate a bit more what this holistic approach would look like to make sure that future programs on workforce development and potentially electrification do take these concerns into consideration? Here in Los Angeles and and many other parts of the country, we're facing a housing crisis. Our houseless community has really just increased in the last short years. There is a lot of sharing going on in South LA where you need to share utility costs or you need to share rent costs. Families are pretty much forced to live in small spaces in housing that is not safe or that is not like uh, official housing, but in many times uh, makeshift garages that have been turned into uh, temporary housing. And so as we're having conversations in the city of LA of investment that has been set aside for developing new housing, particularly affordable housing, uh, that's an example, right, of where there's a holistic intersectional approach that needs to happen. When we're thinking about affordable housing development, we need to make sure that it's really affordable. We have some folks that live in an economic situation where they can't afford the affordable housing. As we are thinking about the new programs to electrify those apartment buildings, those affordable housing buildings, and as we're trying to place people in apartment or units that they can afford and thinking about the rent affordability, we also need to think about the utility and the appliance affordability. It's a complex problem. It could be a bureaucratic nightmare to think about how do we get all of these different investments that are coming down, whether it's for housing or workforce development or clean energy, how do we make sure that we're talking to one another? How do we make sure that we're collaborating so that we are being more efficient considering adverse implications that it might have for low-income communities? Do you think there's a role for shared solar or community solar in helping achieve clean energy that would not increase the utility bill? There is some opportunity for shared solar, for community solar programs, but I think it also requires having a deeper conversation about infrastructure. What are the spaces within our community that can sustain the infrastructure of a project like that? We have some community members at Scope who have been residents of South LA for generations and they have been able to purchase their homes and their families have lived at these homes for for many generations. Even the prospect of individual solar panel unit in their homes is an issue as maybe the roof infrastructure is not sound or there is uh, electrical issues that need to be dealt with that requires capital, some existing infrastructure, space needed in community to actually 
hold those solutions. And so there has been uh, some challenges, but I think the, our community members are open to making sure that we can take these solutions within this lens of equity and can make the changes necessary so that it's really accessible to all. What other opportunities do they have to get involved with the work that SCOPE is doing? SCOPE is a membership-based organization. We have a community members who have united to SCOPE and they're active. They're activists and leaders and members and are deeply involved on a regular basis. They have opportunity to attend sessions here at SCOPE to learn about policy, the new technology, workforce opportunities, and also to provide their input. We have grassroots committees where grassroots SCOPE members their leaders in those committees, they contribute their own experience and their reflections or reactions to potential solutions or policies. In addition to the internal opportunities, community members have an opportunity to also leverage their leadership externally. So we have the Community Steering Committee that works with a state agency to really address the air quality in South Los Angeles. So this group of GOPE members went through a a process of education and training around what are the pollutants that are most harmful for our community, what are the pollutant sources. They also advocated at the state level to make sure that investments came into South LA to clean up our air, to reduce greenhouse gases. These are the same folks that sit on this community steering committee. And then the larger community who are not necessarily identifying as scope members, we go to them, we knock their doors, we do phone banking, and we talk to them throughout the year um, and let them know that we're still in the community. We update them on what we're doing. And we ask them about their priorities continually, whether it's around healthcare, air quality, water accessibility, utility access, energy efficiency, energy justice. We're out there educating community members and collecting their perspective, collecting their thoughts, collecting their priorities and using that to make sure that we're leading from the ground up, that we're really bringing the voice of the community to the forefront. What goals does SCOPE have for 2022? One of the things that has come up multiple times from our membership and from our staff is our ability to really step out in courageous leadership, not only as an organization, but also with our members, going deeper in developing our expertise around all of these issues from health to air to water quality and energy justice. We believe and we're hopeful that we will have a future with community members really have Um, not only a stake in the decisions, but that they will also have a stake in the process of making these decisions. For us, that means preparing our membership, preparing ourselves, and really preparing agencies and municipal departments to really integrate community voice. There are many models of how to integrate community. Folks have models around community engagement and getting community feedback for programs. 
we believe that there is so much more to do. That's priority for 2022 to really uplift some of the models that have worked maybe in other places, some efforts or tactics that we have implemented that have worked for us, and make sure that we're moving towards genuine community engagement, genuine community partnership, and leadership from the community. Stepping out in courageous leadership is making sure that we're demanding to be heard and we're demanding to address the needs, the integrated needs from housing to energy to workforce, economic opportunities. We have many issues that impact us on a daily basis and we want to make sure that we are being as efficient as possible in addressing those issues. I want to thank both Gloria and Peggy for joining today. We learned about the impact of utility debt, the current available programs, and the multitude of needs to transition to a clean and equitable energy future. Remember that reducing your energy use today means securing a safer, more affordable, and sustainable tomorrow. For more information on energy efficiency opportunities that can help you save energy and money, visit SoCalREN.org or call 877-785-2237.